0: You are listening to a podcast, not just any podcast, but the 12th podcast of the Something On My Mind program. I am David.
1: And I am Cindy.
0: Hello and welcome to the program. Thank you for joining and we always appreciate your support. And you can catch us on SOMM.podcast on Instagram. Okay, so what's on the docket for this week? What are we going to talk about? What is the something that is on our minds? The first thing we'll talk about in the roundtable is if you could have any fictional character non-human, who would that be or what would it be? Secondly, if you could come back as any insect or animal, what would that be? So we're going to have a little fun this week using our imaginations, and I hope that you play along too. Part two is we're going to have a financial montage this week. We're going to cover three separate topics covering little tips and tricks and things that you may not have thought about. And this will include the first topic that we talked about in the initial podcast about not to panic sell during the coronavirus pandemic. The market now is only down about 11% from its all-time high for the Dow, and the Nasdaq actually has broken a new all-time high. So we'll review that and explain why, again, you don't panic sell your investments. And this week, we have two special guests that are cyber IT security specialists. We will cover password protection of your accounts, not just financial, but all the other accounts that you have. And we will go through some tips and tricks on how to create your passwords and certain things that you can avoid not to put yourself out there in the world so that your data can be found. Okay, now we're on to the part of the program where we call it the roundtable. And this is where we have no script. We just let it rip. I know we kind of talk about personal stories, but I wanted to go off the cuff this week. I was watching a movie or two, and I started thinking about the fictional characters. Hmm. Right? Intriguing. Well, you know, there's Pixar, there's Disney, there's Star Wars. And I started thinking, if you could have any fictional character as, like, your assistant or a buddy or somebody that could Mm. be with you by your
1: side, who would that be? Oh, my gosh. That's such a loaded question. I mean, there's so... There's so many, and I think it's different points of my life that I could answer this.
0: I have two. I mean, one at I one mean, point. I could have and multiple. One, well, I'm trying to narrow it down to one.
1: I can't pick one.
0: Okay, for me, when I was a kid, it was Chewbacca. <laughs> right? Don't you do a good Chewbacca sound? No, I don't. Yeah, you oh. do. <laughs> That's not good. It's not even close. There's some people who can do it really well. I am not I one of them. I'm
1: not, I, to be honest, I've, i that star wars that's star oh, wars cindy has never
0: be, cindy has never seen star wars no, if you I'm can believe have, it
1: um hurt people's ears when i say i've never heard i've never watched star wars Ugh. i'm well, sorry it just
0: nevertheless i have shifted from chewbacca and after watching the guardians of the galaxy movies <laughs> i want a groot i am groot
1: i am, groot. I, am groot. I like um teenage i am groot Yeah, I am Groot. Or the yeah, it's the end of that when he was a baby, and then he goes into teenage I am Groot at the end of that. He's like he's like
0: playing video games or something. Oh my god,
1: I got you a Groot for your birthday or what? Yeah, it was your birthday. Like a little mini desk. I got a a little one that you push the button, and he's like, "I am Groot."
0: I mean, imagine though how handy Groot could be.
1: How? What? He's a tree.
0: No, he can reach up and grab things. Oh. He could he could actually chop our trees around Oh, he could trim here, our trees right now, which, which need a lot of work. Oh my gosh! Right, and he's strong, and he's protective, and he's kind of funny, and it might be he might be kind of dirty, like sleeping in you know the sheets and oh whatnot, because it's a living this organism. So but I think it's cool. No,
1: you've been actually saying you want a baby tree group. I mean,
0: or I want a big group.
1: This is so hard for me. I mean, that if I were younger. Can I can I just, like, do stages in my life? Like, maybe if my teenage years, like, Spicoli. You want to, he's, he... <laughs> All I need is some tasty waves and a cool breeze. I'm kind of thinking not... He would be, like, such a... Oh, no, how about, um...
0: I'm, I'm thinking more like... No, n- like,
1: Lovin. <laughs> I'm not thinking
0: human characters. Oh, oh. fictional like, like a group, like, a, like an Aladdin. Um... Well, I guess, uh, I guess you don't have an no, answer. No, 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 I
1: do. No, I do. Actually my favorite if you're going on that level is dory from finding nemo.
0: You'd want the fish. I would
1: 100% want dory. She'd be like everything is new and everything's a surprise cuz she forgets everything and then and the new finding nemo which is like one of my all-time favorites, you know, and they're down on the bottom and all the fish are trapped in the net.
0: Well, she's always in a good mood.
1: And then she's like when they're all trying to get up from the net and she's like just keep swimming, just keep swimming, right? I don't. Even, like my I, well,
0: then there you have it. You, you yeah, Dory.
1: Oh my God, we'd be best friends. And then you know, I just make sure would, I would I, just have to make sure that everything Groot, I say would be new and fresh and exciting to her.
0: I just have to make sure that Groot doesn't eat Dory.
1: Oh no, they'd be buds.
0: So the other question I thought about is if you could be any insect or animal and come back, what would you be?
1: Can I say, Mister Pudge? Mr. Pudge's universe is, Ooh, who's my baby? Come here, baby. Who, mama loves you. So Who loves you basically, the most? you're saying
0: our dog or just a dog? Like
1: our dog. Like his whole universe is centered around me saying, come here, Pudge. Pudge, come by mommy. Be- come with mommy. Do you want a treat? Do you want to go for a walk? Uh oh. Sorry, Pudge.
0: Well, I can see that dogs have it pretty easy. I mean, I thought about like being a Komodo dragon because no one messes with you.
1: Indicative of our personality. Well, I
0: love. Um, Bears, I think grizzly bears, pretty badass. And then, but I think a domestic house cat is where I would go.
1: Actually, other than Pudge, I've always, and this goes back to childhood when I had, I actually remember a dream when I was little that I was flying. And I'll never forget that dream, but a bird. I think it would be like the bird's eye view on everything. You've got the leg up and anywhere you could go, you could go and see what's going on.
0: I can see that because as humans, we'd love to be able to fly. Yeah.
1: And then you get the little bird feeder and people take care of you. And I still think you know, overall, little a, I, I
0: still think a cat has it better than a dog. And here's why. So a cat gets stroked and purrs and feels good. It has a place to crap and gets to bury it and gets to do it in the house. The dog has to go out, maybe if it's cold or rainy. And if a cat's like, you know what, I need a break. My parents went on vacation. I can be by myself for a week and I'm good to go. And I I can go out and hunt and pray and come back in the house and sleep in a nice warm bed. How about your cat? Yeah, we'll have to that's another story for another time. (laughs) Your two timing cat? Yeah, I had a two timing cat who like switched between houses. Okay, one last piece here. I did think of something that reminded me of coming back as something. And do you remember when we found, Chase and I, the praying mantis in the oh, bush in the front yard? Oh, my gosh. So it was fall, and the yeah. praying mantis was going to be done, you know, because it was going to get cold. And so we, I did a little research. I brought it in. I made it like a terrarium for it, and we kept it alive for, g six to eight months, right?
1: That thing was so amazing. And do you remember? We thought it, it was sick. So what did we name a Praying super mantis? thought he was sick and then it turns out that he was spawning the little like super mantis cocoon and then we researched online that that cocoon or that whatever it was sack would release potentially like i don't even know it was like a thousand just a ton praying mantises so we had
0: to remove it so we had to
1: i know i felt so bad but um i'll never forget when i Came home from work the day you guys weren't there, but I could tell he was at the end of his life cycle. And I and I mean, we used to play with them. Like he'd hang out on well, our. that was more,
0: hands where, where and I shoulders was, and. That's more is what I was getting to. Is that? But you when could I, take him out of a cage. Yeah. And hold him in your hand, and he would, you know, or in your shoulder, and people he, would come over and be fascinated yeah, he was by our this, buddy. especially like the the you know anybody who had a couple of drinks and came over we were like a sideshow with this thing yeah
1: it was like stupid soup but then i would stupid pet tricks or little stupid petrix with yeah it was super amazing
0: Mantis. but the cool thing was is i was taking those videos and i would go out and get spiders I know, that and was crickets amazing. and put it in there and he would just rock back and forth and go through all this motion and just yep. watching him kill the prey eat it and do its you know whole you know um, nature or its innate type of thing yeah
1: we had like national geographic every day with that and when i came home from work that day And I could tell, again, that he was on his last days and his end of his life cycle. I took him out, and we had our little words together, and I had my tears because we had had him so long. And then I set him on this book, and I remember he just literally put his hands together, put his little head down, and passed away, like right there with me. And that was amazing. I mean.
0: And then we pinned him in Chase's bug case.
1: There we did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but anyway, hey. If if you ever have ever taxidermists chan- out there. That praying mantis actually was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's I will a say. really
1: great story to remember. I forgot all about
0: that. All right. So that we've talked about bears, cats, dogs, birds, praying mantis, kimono dragon, yep. Chewbacca, and uh Groot. Groot, right, and Dory. And Dory. So okay, so that's gonna cover it for this, but we did think that maybe this is a way for you to kind of take your mind off something else from the everyday life and maybe you've come up with your own uh, answers to these questions.
1: Thanks, honey. That was fun.
0: Okay, for this week, we're going to do a financial montage. We're going to talk about some tips and tricks, some things that have happened currently, things that you can do to put them into your life and incorporate them for better use. Okay. Topic number one, this has to do with making sure that you don't give away your money to other people or services. So what we say all the time is if you have a budget, that's great. That means you're tracking the money that you owe to goods and services and you reconcile that every month. But there are cases where things are added to your bills that you need to pay attention to. For example, it could be like a cable bill. It could be a phone bill. These are things that do have variants. And if you don't watch them, That money can be taken away from you because you don't pay attention to it. And then when you realize it months later, it's kind of too late to get rid of the overage on your bill. So a good example is I play a Sportsline account, meaning I pay $9.99 a month. I use that for my account that gives me information about players and games and things because I play a uh, daily or weekly sports betting fantasy online type of thing. What?
1: Is that in our budget?
0: It's in the budget, yes. We'll talk about it's, this it's, offline. It's just cash. <laughs> hey, by the way, I'm going to be, full disclosure, I I think from September to like March, I played mainly during like Sundays on football. And I think I lost about 50 to 75 bucks as a whole. But then I hit the $500 square in the Super Bowl. And so I'm weighing the money.
1: Okay, I think we should disclaim that this is money that you've set aside to potentially lose, right?
0: I mean, I guess if someone said I'm gonna put X amount of dollars in their budget every month to gamble, that's also to go cons-
1: and put it in a slot machine.
0: That's up to and them. And walk
1: away with nothing in their pocket. Or potentially hitting something.
0: Well, yeah. Which is rare. Your money's your money. The way you want to spend it in budget is up to you. But here's the point. I had a charge for nine ninety nine a month and then I wanted to cancel and they said just email us. So I did. And then two months went by, then three months went by and I saw it every month just rectifying bills. And to be honest, I was just too lazy. I didn't want to make the phone call. Finally, I get around to it. I call the guy. So he says, I'll give you $29.97 back. He goes, But how about this? I will also give you an additional, I believe it was seven or eight months, and that would give me free membership all the way through November. So I'm like, Sure. So not only did I get my money back, I got some free services. The point was, I don't care about the free services. This is just an example of how I got my money back. And again, it's very important to pay attention to your budget so that you don't give out money that doesn't belong, if you will, to other people or services. And this is a very big thing Missed in budgets all the time that is secretly or kind of latently taking your money away from you. Okay, topic number two has to do with buying things for the right amount for the right unit price. So we know about Costco or Sam's Club and you buy big bulk quantities. So we always propose that you buy things in quantity and large sizes that you know that you're going to consume all the time. So in this case, I was in the pharmacy land at Costco and I have Omeprazole, which is for heartburn. It, it's over the counter. It used to be Nexium. And so Omeprazole is the generic. So I'm standing in line to get my prescription. So tip number one, anytime you get pills, if you can get them in 90 pills instead of 30, you're going to save money because that's bulk just for the pill price anyway. Number two is I only pay around 8 bucks for 90 pills or three months. So when I'm in line, I see on the end cap, I see Nexium. And they sell three bottles in a pack of 14 each, meaning 42 pills. And it gives you the unit price of 0.564. Right. So I start going, okay, what's the math on this? So if you take $8 and divide that by 90, what's the math on that, Cindy? 0.08. Okay, so that's not even a penny. So the unit price for Nexium was 0.564, and if we multiply that by 90 pills, making it a one-to-one relationship in the math, it comes out to what?
1: $50.76.
0: Okay, so you take 50.76 and minus by eight, and you get 42.76 difference. Right. So that is clearly a huge difference. It's over six times the amount to pay for the pills that way. Is $42 every three months or $14 a month allowed in your pocket? No, but why give that money away when you can get the same quality, the same product for less of a price? If you incorporate this habit into your budget, you are going to find that you're going to create more disposable income for yourself. So take a look at your budget and see which areas that you can make some changes to, and you'll find more money is going to end up in your bank account. Okay, on to topic number three. This has to do with our first podcast when we talked about not panic selling during the coronavirus or panic selling during any market downturn. The last one was the financial crisis in 2008, 2009, and we went through a long dissertation on that to explain why you shouldn't do that. So why don't you jump in on this and tell us where we are at this point, because at the time we talked about this was April 6th, today we're at June 16th, and the market is, where is it at now?
1: Market closed today at 26,289, which is amazing. This is exactly why we had that very first conversation on podcast one because we were down 40% at that point. Right now we're at about 11% off the lows. So we've gained that much ground back just in that short span of time. Now, are we going to have some more anticipated volatility? Sure. We have an election year, but this is exactly what we know is that this is unprecedented. What we expected was maybe an 18, 18- to 24-month recovery time took an unprecedented roughly 11 weeks to recover. If you're allocated right for the long term and you didn't panic sell, you have now recovered that roughly 29% back in your investment portfolio. Again, to reiterate and recap, that's why allocation is so important and not panic selling is so important during that time.
0: So we talked about a couple of things. One of them is that if you're five years out, right, so you should be fully invested in the market because you can get all these gains back, especially because we talk about buying stocks on sale. So most of the people on this podcast and in the world who have a 401k, that's where most of the money's parked. But it's the same thing. They keep investing every month out of their check or every week. That's right. They're buying them on sale when the stock market was dipping.
1: This is the best example that any money that you put in over that time period, now your dollar cost averaging in. Now you're buying lower share costs for more shares. This is how you win in the long term. To reiterate, the S&P over the last approximately 90 years, so since 1926, has averaged roughly 10% over that time. This goes back to allocation. This goes back to what type of stock that you're exposed to. If you're in a value stock portfolio that has strong balance sheets and focuses on that dividend payment and dividend growth, It's not the sexiest portfolio. It is the steadiest portfolio. Higher risk, higher return, bigger dips when the market goes down, longer recovery time.
0: The type of stocks that you'll find in the S&P 500 are surely household names to you, such as IBM, Microsoft, Apple, Costco, companies of that nature. These type of companies are blue chip companies. They're strong and they're solidified and they're not going to get knocked down too fast or for too long and they pay dividends. Most retail investors have their money in a pre-retirement account. And when you're buying these stocks, when they're lower, the mutual funds that contain these stocks, you're buying them on sale. And when you buy on sale, you buy more shares. Hence, you get more dividends.
1: And typically, if you're going into the maybe top 10 highest quality S&P value stocks, U.S. large cap blue chip value, you're taking about 10 to 20% less risk right off the top. Value play, stay strategic, stay defensive. And I'm really pleased to say that I've had clients, specific clients call and say, thank you for talking me off the ledge and not allowing me to sell during that time. Because right now I'm looking at my portfolio and I'm so pleased to see we're back on the positive side or even flat, right? But-
0: I think actually overall, we're we're actually up.
1: We're up. We're gonna go through cycles like this.
0: But this This is the long-term investing, right? Like we always like to say is compound-
1: Compound interest is our best Best friend.
0: friend. We're getting closer, but we will say this. (laughs) You'll get sick of us saying this, but it is your best friend.
1: I'll repeat. It's all predicated on time horizon, risk tolerance, and liquidity needs. Everybody's different. Assess what you don't need for five plus years and just stay the course and don't deviate from your plan.
0: All right. Awesome. We love to see the turnaround and we love to see things kind of come back around that we talk about so that we can show things in practice because what we say also needs to be shown in reality. Okay. That is going to do it for the financial montage this week.
1: Can I give you one poem before we leave? Sure. The S and P was in red, but I wasn't blue because I shorted the market and went long on you. There you go, David. That's, my, that's <laughs> <my>. <laughs> what is, Did you just look that up. That's my stock market pickup line.
0: I didn't know they had, you know, specific stock market poems yep, for uh, for financial it. people. <laughs> it, it's a lonely world.
1: It's a lonely world. Okay, I just wanted to end with that.
0: Okay, so that <laughs> is going to do it for the financial montage this week. When to finished that off, Cindy, with something on the l lifting side. That's right. Okay, thank you, and we'll go on to the next topic. Okay, this week we're going to bring on two guests, Austin and Claire, who are cybersecurity experts and they'll be on the program to talk about password protection. We often talk about finance and money, but we haven't talked about password protection of your data so other people don't get to it. Please listen to the following programming note. The upcoming interview that you're about to hear was conducted via video conference, and therefore there may be some degradation of audio quality. Thank you. Okay, so without further ado, we have Austin and Claire. And Claire, would you like to start and introduce yourself?
2: Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Claire Cochran. Uh, You might know me from a previous podcast episode where we talked about my student loans and saving up for a mortgage. I have a background in cyber risk security about six years or so. I worked at a big four firm for five of those years, and now I'm at another smaller consulting firm doing assessments and such uh, in the cybersecurity field, and I'm really happy to be here.
0: Welcome. Thank you, Claire.
2: Thank you, Claire. Now we get to tap into Claire's expertise.
3: Yeah, a little switcheroo, and okay. So Austin, go ahead, please. Hey, you've got the the real two for one deal here. So my name's Austin Endo. Uh, Claire and I actually worked together at the same big four firm, and we work together today at a, uh, a different company, uh, both in the cybersecurity space. I tend to be uh, more on the, the technical architecture, down in the weeds. You know, how to how does it all work at the nuts and bolts level, and then of course pulling it all back up to the business and saying why. Do, why should you care about this? Why should you spend money on cybersecurity and insurance?
0: All right, cool. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And actually, what's cool about this is that they're both in their 20s. And sometimes you think people in their industries need to be a lot older to have a lot of skill. But these guys are really sharp. And it's also great to have people leading the way in your age to, you know, for the rest of the people coming up throughout the generations, if you will.
2: Yeah, we're very and, excited to have, oh, go ahead, Claire. Sorry, I, and gender, I just want to have a little shout out for a girl in cyber security. We're not a lot of us.
0: This is, yeah, probably one in 20, probably.
1: Claire's, the, Claire's in the man's world kicking butt, which is great. <laughs> and honestly, um, so much prevalent information that we're about to hear. And I know that I'm in the securities industry. So every day we're dealing with financial safeguards around what we do. I know that we had this conversation in advance, and there's a lot of things we're going to cover, not just beyond the password protection.
0: So this is true. So let's start there, though, with the password protection. I've noticed maybe in recent months where even if I go change my password, for example, I go back in a week later, a month later, and it doesn't work, right? That's one of my pet peeves that I've noticed. And I've also noticed that um, when I go on to make a new password, I get a suggested strong password from Google, right? So slowly, I've been changing all my passwords to strong passwords for, for obvious reasons. Uh, what do you guys think about putting together a strong password and maybe how long the character should be and what kind of character should be in it,
3: things that people should know about? an excellent place to start for sure. Uh, I know even from website to website, right, it seems like everybody's kind of got their own idea of what makes a strong password. Some people say eight characters, some people say 14 on a whole slew of combinations, Ah, uh, part of that, of course, is is kind of at the at the lower level when you are thinking about having a guest password, just the sheer number of combinations that you could possibly make. So cap a mix of capital letters, lowercase letters, and the, and that certain length all come together to kind of increase the complexity there. but uh, the the tricky part right is the other part of that strength is your ability to remember it or to recall the password. so you, you got to balance out that level of, of security there. So for me, I, I tend to be a big fan of the eight to fourteen characters, you get your one capital, your one lowercase, your one special character kind of out of that limited pool. And then then your number, it gets you a good enough variety. I feel like there's enough there to work with to get something that you're going to remember if you're going to make it up yourself. Um, Or of course, if you're going to go David's route and generate your own strong passwords using something like Google's password store or LastPass, something of that nature, uh, you've got options out there.
0: So Claire, do you use any type of uh, software out there for your strong passwords or do you make it up?
2: I make mine up. Uh, I will not tell you how, but I do have a system. I also try to keep them different on every website, which is something everybody should do. Not a lot of people do. One thing I I do like to say about password storage, my mother actually, when I first started working in cybersecurity, I noticed that she kept her password notebook right next to the computer. And I had learned and, and kind of now understand through all my experience that like if somebody were to break into the house and steal that they'd have all usernames and passwords they wouldn't need anything else in the house because they'd just be able to take that notebook run away and be able to hack into not even hack into but just log into any account for banking or our mortgage or anything that she had online. So I actually told her that even though it pains me that she writes her passwords down, if she keeps them far away from the computer, like in a drawer upstairs and not in her room, or it's just somewhere that's not the computer, maybe in a locked safe would be a really preferable option, something like that. If you're nervous about remembering all of your passwords, and that's not like real cyber advice. That's more of just common sense, but... (laughs)
1: I mean, I think that makes total sense. We keep ours on a spreadsheet, right? But they keep changing. So it's the forever changing argument in our house because I'm constantly thinking that David's changing the password and he's thinking that I'm changing the password. And it just, we just had this absolute cycle of <laughs> constant argument about this password protection. Like you have
0: to upgrade the password and you can't right. put like lemon chicken one, two, three.
1: And I, I mean, I admitted to Austin in advance of this call or conversation today is I am guilty of making it as easy as possible. And I realize, I mean, I realize the error of my ways. And again, I'm in the industry that is so password protected. We have to be for our clients. I have to practice what I preach. I'm not great at it.
0: So yeah, like I was going to say, I store my passwords in Chrome because they give it to me and then I put into a spreadsheet, right? And then I'm in the cloud, I, you know, so you have to assume that Google is cool with their security. And then a lot of my passwords are in my iPhone and Apple's pretty well known, both of them for security. We don't really hear about breaches. So that's the path I've taken in terms of someone else holding it for me.
3: Security is, is relative, right? So it's really subjective to each person. It's your level of comfort level to, to, or relative to your level of risk that you're facing, right? So in the situation, I go to, to Claire's example, of writing passwords down, for example. If that's what works for you, find a system that that to her point kind of hedges your bets on. You know, if they come in and take the computer, they don't also come in and take the the keys. Because uh, I always go to the, the due the due care and the due diligence uh, question, and from a non lawyer perspective, of course. But it's it's almost like the like thinking about uh, how you deal with your house, right? Like the people that leave the key under the doormat, right next to the lock that mm-hmm. that key is supposed to unlock. It's been done so many times that if I'm coming to a house, right, and I'm looking for an easy way to get in, I'm probably going to go look for that key before I go smash a window, on the assumption that I can go, I can go get in that way. Same thing with with passwords. You just don't want to make it so easy for someone to go pick it up and immediately turn or, turn around, know exactly which website to go to, and to be able to walk effectively straight in your virtual front door.
1: I never even thought about that. If he loses his computer, we're done. I mean, well, no, because I,
0: Google stores them, right?
1: So yeah, if, that, but if on our spreadsheet is well, what then, I'm thinking. Well,
0: Google has them, right? Okay. Most of them. So what I did with the mat thing was I just used two-sided tape with the keys. So when they lifted it up, there really wasn't a key
3: on the cement. So <laughs> that was my move. So now yeah. I know when I come to your house, I'll look under the mat too, as I'm exactly. picking it up. <laughs>
1: so um, and how often, so if you are creating your passwords on your own, how often should you be doing that?
3: Oh, so that, that's an interesting question, because I think there are a couple of factors that, that play into the answer there. It's kind of the, the general accepted rotation guideline is usually anywhere from 60 to 90 days. Um, you, you're changing it frequently enough where, you know, my, like every, every three months, I've, I've, got to, I've got to think of new passwords for you as a hacker. Um, you, you provide, again, a little bit more of that variety there. I, I I think we'll go down this road a little bit later too, but the introduction of, of multi-factor authentication, those one-time passwords that get texted to your phone, um, or that you open up the app to to look at, uh, kind of that that combination of factors to influence really how how much you're actually getting out of that that frequent password change. So there, there's a lot to unpack with that question. So with the uh, the
0: audience for dual factor, just so you know, you'd go into a site and you put your user ID and then your password, and then they'll send you. They'll tell you on the website, we're going to send you a code to your phone or an email or something, and then you take that code and put it in. So you have to go two rounds of passwords in order to get into your, to the site.
1: So you should always select that if that's the option, right? Well, they're, they're, they're making you do that. Some, Yeah, I've seen some that give you the option to just move forward. I happen to like that. I think it, you know, it's a great validation that they know it's me.
0: I haven't um, seen it where they opted. Well, either way, that's great. You should, any extra layer, right, is a good thing.
3: Right. And it and the the whole concept behind multi-factor too, there there are three guiding principles that or three conceptual areas with regards to, to authentication factors with regards to things like password and those token codes. And and Claire's gonna have to help me here because I always screw this up. But it it's something that you know, which is typically your password, something that you have, which can be that that phone with that has the ability to receive that code and Something thing that you are exactly. So, you, like a geographical location, a specific IP address, um, where your computer, which network your computer's on, for example. So, a- any combination of those three things. Uh,
2: two of those three things
3: it is get you to two-factor. You can go over and above and do all three or something from each three categories. But it, again, it's all it's all risk versus reward and cost benefit. Right. So if I'm going to make it extremely difficult for you to log into your, your everyday bank account, for example, it may not really be, be worth it based on the risk that I'm trying to, trying to face. But if I'm logging into a, a government, a secure government website, for example, I probably want the, uh, the right level of due care there to make sure that not just anybody can walk through the door.
2: One really common, um, like real life example of a multi-factor authentication uh, setup is your debit card or ATM card and your PIN because that debit card is something that you have is you physically have it. Uh, and then your pin is something that, you know, so that's just one example of multi-factor authentication that you've probably done hundreds of times. And it's something for, you wants to secure a process that's as secure as taking money out of your account.
0: So what do you think about sites like LastPass that create passwords for you relying on them to store your passwords? Like we've mentioned, like with
3: Google, for example, Again, I'll go back to to that. It's kind of based on personal preference. I, I, I'm personally a big fan of KeePass because I get to keep the password file local to me. I have control over the actual store itself. Uh, I can log in, decrypt it, and use the passwords anytime I want, but I can also put that file anywhere that I choose. With LastPass, I have to trust that where they're storing that file uh, and how they're providing me access to it is secure. And it's one of those things, it's a lot of convenience to be able to get the browser plugin, for example, have it act just like your Chrome browser does to suggest passwords, automatically store them, autofill. When you think about it, what's easy for you is also easy for anybody else who can get their hands on that. So for me, if I can introduce that that level of difficulty of my own accord, I feel like that gives me enough control where I feel comfortable with the security that I'm getting out of it.
0: Yeah, it's more in your control. So you actually answered the question I was going to ask after this about you keeping it yourself. So that's cool. So that's a preference like you said, but that's an option for the listeners when they choose to think about their next round of passwords per se. So
1: well and I think when we talked last time, you gave that great analogy of keeping your door unlocked. If you could sort of just re refresh me on that statement on, you know, you don't want to have that door unlocked at your house, right?
3: Right. I, so I, again, security is, is partly based on personal preference, but it's also relative to what's around you. So to the example of two neighbors, and I'll use, I'll use Claire and myself as the, as the people in this scenario. So if we, let's say we live next to each other, but I, I travel for work all the time. I'm never home. I live by myself, no pets, lights are off. And all I'm using to, to protect access to my house is the lock on the door. But Claire lives next door. And even though she travels all the time, she's got two barking cats. Um, she's got a lock on the door, she's got a home alarm system, and there's a whole set of floodlights that light the, the front side of the house up. I, I didn't know that cats bark. I didn't
1: either. <laughs> they,
3: chirp at bir- they chirp at birds too, so. That's, that's <laughs> another you know.
1: podcast. <laughs> yeah.
3: but, but when you think about those two house situations, right? When you when I take a look at Claire's house versus my house from the perspective of someone who's looking to break in, it's a lot easier to break into my house and unless I, I have a definitive idea of something that's just so valuable valuable to me that I'm willing to take the time and effort to break into Claire's house. If I'm looking for a quick win, I'm gonna walk through walk into into situational Austin's house here right. and, and just take the take the quick buck, get in, get out before the cops even show up. Nobody'll know the difference until he comes back from work or Claire walks outside her house the next door and, yeah. and gives me a call. More layers, more hurdles, right? Exactly. You're just trying to make it as difficult as possible. Because hack hacking is one of those things where it's never really a matter of if it's a matter of when. But if you can make your neighbor look more appetizing than you, then at least you that, that's a security control in and of itself because you're you're hedging your bets with cognitive dissonance and perceived well, risk from from a hacker's perspective.
1: And that leads me to the question because so many times I see and I don't do this because I've thought I've had some forethought about the fact that I have on Facebook all the time that are checking in everywhere, checking into the airport. And I, I think I did it once. And I'm like, wait, what am I doing? My family's home. But I would never if David and I were to go travel and nobody was home, check in at the airport because somebody knows that you're leaving your house. Anybody that knows you that has any propensity to um, either tell people that you're gone or, you know, help themselves while you're gone. The checking in seems like the Absolute worst thing you could possibly do, given that it's the sort of the analogy to you leaving all your lights off. And
3: <laughs> David and Cindy are in Reykjavik, Iceland.
1: <laughs> Coming well, home it, no time soon.
3: Well, especially you accompany it with a nice picture of the entire family out of the house too. Exactly. As, a, as someone, again, who's still looking for a quick buck, I know that, oh, David, Cindy, and all the kids are, are gone on vacation for three weeks. Perfect.
2: And they probably keep the key under the doormat. D- now,
3: double-sided now tape, though. Double-sided tape with that key.
2: Oh, so I'll just have to pull a little bit harder.
0: <laughs> yeah, you get. I get you the one time. After that, you got me fooled. <laughs> you know, that's the other thing I thought about is that uh, when you're driving in the back of uh, or driving behind minivans and you see all the kids listed, like the mom, the dad, and, like, four little kids and a dog, it's kind of telling somebody exactly what the size of your family is and what gender they are. So, yeah, like you said, the more that you give out, the more someone can do something with it, and you just don't know
3: who's out there doing what. Well, I think Cindy's. It's funny you mentioned Facebook check-ins because I, I know there there was an article out there in the cyber in the cyber news a while back about the the Facebook challenges and about you know oh rep your rep your high school mascot um, rep your the or like yes. the, we we were just talking about that you combine the the name of your pet and the nor- and the name of the street that you grew up on to come up with your uh with your lovely night nighttime job, nighttime name.
1: job. Yeah. Might so, include uh, a, might include a pole or <laughs>
0: uh, no, no euphemism. No, no euphemism. <laughs> right. it's, it's a porn star. Well, name. You,
1: the, yeah. That's the old adage of you do the street you grew up on and the, and your dog and, and basically you get your porn name. Right. That's, I oh, mean, that's an age old thing, that's but an
3: age old joke, but, but, but then you think about things that uh, there are two things that help that helps with, right. If I, again, if I'm looking to get into your stuff, A lot of people use their kids' names, their pets' names, birthdays, things like that in passwords, thinking, oh, nobody will ever guess it. But you've you've given it all out in in a challenge like that, in Facebook statuses, even the information in your profile. But then even if you're not giving me enough information to get to your password, you got to think about the security questions and how I reset your password. That's so So, true. So if I've got two questions, like like a lot of times they ask for the make and model of your of your first car right. and I, I know high school mascot is a is another popular mm-hmm. one or elementary school that you first elementary mother's maiden name mother's
2: maiden name
3: that exactly. was a really
2: big one and they just had a challenge about that a few weeks ago share a picture of your mother for mother's day and how many times do you think your mom who has facebook is also going to be tagged in that photo right. with her maiden name with her maybe, maiden name exactly in there so, so that's I mean, that, a really quick way to be able to figure out a really, really big piece of information about you.
1: Honestly, that is so, I mean, what would seem as such an obvious thing, and as we're talking this through, I'm typically not guilty of that. I don't, I try to veer away from that stuff on Facebook. I just, I don't answer it. But there yeah. is the, there's literally those that everybody's sharing those. Tell me your favorite color. Tell me your favorite tree, your favorite flower. Your, f-, You know, where did you go to high school? Obviously that can be tagged and shared. And you know, it's just this cascading or snowballing effect. I could imagine that people have no idea or share your high school picture. So then you've got pictures. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can't even imagine how much that I've seen people share on Facebook. And I just, I don't ever engage in those. I don't want people to know what my favorite color is.
0: Full disclosure, we don't give any financial advice on this in terms of telling you to buy something, but I will say that I've owned security stocks for a long time and I've done very well because right. they're not going away. There's always going to be work <laughs> for the for the long future, if you will.
1: So how about the ones that, you know, what basically they ask you questions and then it's like, here's your the star, the star match that you have. I mean that, and again, I don't know. I have, don't do them, so I don't know what kind of questions that, that you're asking or they are asking, but I would imagine that's just another layer of fishing out there or a form of fishing.
3: Right. And it, it's getting far more complex and it's so much easier to put all that information together. The, the tricky part, right, is at the end of the day, how does the old, the old adage go? I think the Cindy Lauper song is girls just want to have fun. Right. Right. And, and that's the, that's the balance that you've got to strike with things like that. You've got to balance what's probably responsible with, with what's fun there and I they rarely see an opportunity where those two things overlap one another. Because at the end of the day, I get some people like to, to put that stuff out there. It's fun to compare to your friends, right? Like you want to see uh, kind of what everybody, whatever you put, how you shake out in your, in your friend groups, your family groups. But then, again, it's just another set of information out there about yourself. And, and I, I know privacy is an interesting discussion to have on Claire's side of the world, especially. But I, at that point, you're putting it all out there for the world, and there's consequences to that, both right. good and, my, and bad.
1: My Facebook page is private, so I, I again, I, I use it, I post on it, but I have a private page, so I don't make my page public. So I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, that if somebody else, if I'm showing up on somebody else's tag, then all of their friends
2: can see it, right? Whether I'm private or not. So right. you're well, subject to all of that person's privacy settings so if somebody is very lax with their privacy settings then anything that you are tagged in by that person is going to be subject to whatever their privacy settings are okay and you know that makes sense it does make sense the most recent i believe that's the most recent um update of the privacy policy, policy because
1: i'll get i'll get friend requests from people I don't know, but then I'll see their one mutual friend from somebody that I don't even I'm maybe an acquaintance of, but they're asking to friend me. And of course I delete it. I have no idea why someone would want to be a friend with a stranger. Um, I'm well, a lot of fun. It's in, you, Cindy. I'm a lot of fun in pictures, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but but in all seriousness, that always blows my mind. We're gonna look I'm gonna back friend
0: on this... you
2: right now, Cindy. <laughs> gonna
0: We're gonna look back on this day. 10 years from now and realize that this podcast, because of Cindy's questions on Facebook, completely killed social media. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, what is it? Video killed the radio star, Cindy killed the social media.
0: <laughs> yeah, what was that band? Uh, right. The Buggles.
1: The Buggles, that was in Yeah, the Buggles on MTV.
0: Claire I was, strong, was there. very strong, Claire. <laughs> you Thank knew you, that. Thank you, yes, and another Austin plug to the, my parents. And then, and, yep. and then Austin's uh, Cindy Lauper reference, so. Pretty impressive. Way
1: to bring back the 80s. Um, That's amazing. So the other question I had is around phishing, right? So people get emails all the time. It looks and acts like a real, let's say Bank of America or Wells Fargo or somewhere that looks very legitimate. All the disclosures, all the little logos. How do you delineate whether that's a real email or a fraud request email phishing for information? My so
2: advice would be, this is the real simple short answer. My advice would be don't try and delineate. Just pick up the phone and call the, the posted customer service number. And if you, if they're trying to get in touch with you, like they will know that they'll give you a number or something like that to reference with them on the phone. Um, but at not don't use any phone numbers that are used in the email itself. Go directly to the page or the Google page or something like that. Okay. That's um, great advice.
0: Sometimes the URL but that, that's
2: that's what I would say. Don't try to figure it out. Just and the URL
0: it. can be slightly off as well, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. But Austin, it, well, it you have probably have a different, more technical approach.
3: <laughs> yeah, as one who likes to to play around with things, just to see how they all work. Uh, of course, you you look for you start looking for misspellings for for names that are probably right. close to people that you may or may not know, or like they may. They may drop like the CEO's name and the email just mm-hmm. to give you and, and something that's familiar to try to get you get you comfortable before they before they come in with the big sell of hey I need all these gift cards uh, that's another thing to watch out for yeah. if they're if they're asking for payment especially in non-standard means and untraceable means like prepaid gift cards. Um, David's point about the link is kind of interesting. That's the one that I like to play around with the most. A lot of times in web browsers, uh, you, you can sit there, you hover your mouse over the link, don't click it but just, just hover and, and a lot of time it'll show you a preview of where that li- or it'll show you where that link is actually taking you. And if the, the address thinking about it in a Chrome browser in the bottom left that shows up when you hover over that email link, isn't the same one that's written there in the email and is right. going so- somewhere that you don't recognize at all. Then I, to Claire's point, you use some of your other verification methods. If you think that they're, if you like absolutely want to make sure, but at that point, don't interact with that email. Any further, if there's a if there's enough suspicion there for you to not trust that it's it's from your bank, from your from your spouse, from your friend, uh, always better to just enact the uh, puff protocol. Pick Wait. up the free pick up the freaking phone and call. Don't,
1: don't click on the link. And I mean, again, I hate to keep referring back to my business, but it's funny because our company will do that. They'll fish to see who in our company is going to open that up, as you know, they're shopping. They're shopping your knowledge of that and are you, are you biting into that? Are you buying into it? And it's Security amazing. awareness training. E- it's amazing, even my colleagues will click on links and I say like, I don't, why are you clicking on that? A, you can see that the email is different. So I think that that's always, and I run the compliance on our team. So I'm very heightened and uh, very aware of that. I always tell our employees, if you're unsure, just send it to our phishing and fraud department. We have a department set up at the corporate level that manages exactly that. Don't ever click on anything. And it is funny because they'll click on it and say like, oh, I was busted. Like, you know, this is the security awareness training.
3: Well, and, and so if I actually have to own up. So I used to work for the, when back when I was in financial services, I worked for the vice president who sent out the uh, the phishing tests and I got hit one time. Right. The reason that I got hit was, again, I go back to the concept of cognitive dissonance. I make you comfortable enough where you're willing to surrender whatever uh, concerns you had relative to how suspicious you thought that it was to just go ahead and do it. So for me, I I was waiting for a package that week that I knew I was gonna have to sign for. He got really creative this time and actually made it a pretty convincing FedEx-like email. So for me, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I'm expecting a package. I've got no reason to be suspicious of this. It looks legit enough that when I glance over it, I click the link and sure enough, it's you've been popped and here's your hours worth of additional security awareness training wow. that, you, that you need yep. to take by next week. And of course my boss gets all the notifications too. So he walks right over to my desk, just <laughs> le- leans his elbow on it and said, do you have fun with your uh, with your email this morning? And they wouldn't That's- let me... They wouldn't let me live it down for the rest of the time. Yeah, he's for.
1: like, I'm gonna need you to come in on Sunday to do your security <laughs> training. Okay, <Exactly.
2: laughs> that'd okay. be real cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, that'd so be great. Be,
2: yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's yeah.
1: great, Austin. You'll need to come in on Sunday. Oh, that's funny. Well, a don't a don't cut any hypnotist in the meantime. <laughs> a little bad uh,
0: office space, Bill Lundberg, but I think everybody got it
1: right. I'm (laughs) I'm going to burn the place down. Okay.
0: All right. Well, it's safe to say that we're in a world of exposure. So the least amount that you expose, the better off you're going to be. But we all are having a certain amount of information out there regardless. So we're just going to have to do our best to protect ourselves.
1: This is really, really helpful, though. I think things that we don't think about, I think we could probably go on for the next three hours on this topic, and maybe we'll have to just... Circle back and have you back, and um, I actually know that you guys have your own podcast, so we'll make sure that we get that out there as well on uh, cybersecurity, taking that to the next level. But so,
0: what is the name of your upcoming podcast? Dun, 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 dun.
2: To be determined.
0: Oh, come on now.
2: TBD. Oh. <laughs> well, wow. did we decide on a name?
3: I can we're, guarantee we're, you, no one else has that name. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're we're ironing out the details. We've got a we've got a tentative. Not official for public release yet.
1: All right. So, so we're we'll, actually going to we'll ask you guys at, for help with that. We'll just leave it at that. You know, in a future podcast, we'll we'll make sure that- You, we'll help, with you that we'll help with
3: passwords, we'll help with the naming. How about right. that? Perfect. As long, as long as you give me your social security number, credit card <laughs> number, and date of birth.
1: <laughs> no problem. I trust you.
0: <laughs> okay. So let's do a quick recap here, right? This is what we always do to let our listeners write some things down. Um, I wrote some things here to go over. Um, One of them we talked about was a strong password. Austin, you suggested somewhere in the range of 8 to 14 characters. It can go higher if you want. Um, The idea is the longer that it is with more special characters in upper and lower case, that you're making a stronger password.
3: Yep, and worst comes to worst, uh, trust trust your bank, trust your financial institution. They've got regulatory requirements for it, and that's part of their business as well.
0: Another point was that Claire, for example, we talked about how one you should not leave your passwords written down next to the computer, but also like in your case, you choose to make your own passwords. Where in some cases you can use a site like Last Password stored for you and KeePass, where you can control that password on your local if you want. So, but in your case, you actually make your own password. And so, what are the, some of the things that you do in brief to make your password strong?
2: I try to use special characters. Uh, I try to use uh, a mix of capital, lowercase numbers. And instead of one or two words, I try to string together a few in like a common phrase or something like that. Like sometimes, uh, like for example, Florida is the sun- sunshine state, or something like that. It's an easy phrase to remember, but it's a little bit on the longer side. So because it's long, there's that extra layer of security there.
0: What are the three identifiable factors and passwords, and you said using two of the three is good?
2: Uh, something you know, something you have, and something you are. is, right. And that's multi-factor authentication. Those are like the three main concepts.
0: Very cool. Okay, and we also talked about social media, that the more information that we put out there, the better for people who want to get to it, such as showing your location, uh, talking about a team mascot, putting a picture... Anything that you do with a challenge out there is just going to give more information to people, even to come to your home.
3: Right, and to steal a a quote from Uncle Ben and and tweak it a little bit, with great presence comes great responsibility. So just be smart about about what you're putting out there and be aware. And
0: and then one more major point we talked about was uh, fake sites, not uh, clicking on your email or going to a site, right? The suggestion was to make sure, the safest way really was to go actually call whoever it is that's sending you the email, like a service provider from your bank or PayPal or whoever it could be. It could be a number of things out there that are doing that fake stuff. Yep.
3: When in doubt, check it out.
0: All right. Cool. Well, again, we appreciate you guys coming on the podcast and I think this is great information for people because I'm going to assume that a lot of them out there aren't really following all the rules that they should.
3: Yeah. Always a pleasure to, to be around. I'm definitely glad that you had us around and we look forward to having you guys on our podcast in the future.
1: Absolutely. This is amazing information. Claire, great to have you on the other side of this, tapping into your wisdom. Obviously, Austin, you guys are a great team. You know, I think we can have you back and trade some more information going forward.
0: Yes. We'll go deeper into some other subject material, especially when you get your podcast going. So, So by the way, Claire, you are the leader in the most podcast visits on this site, which is only two. But we're in our infancy. Wait,
1: where's our clapping? Uh... Yay. <laughs> Yay. No, that's great. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys both
2: and have a great evening. Thank you guys too. This was really fun. Yep. We'll talk have to a you good soon.
0: one all. Okay. So that is going to do it for this week's podcast. We always appreciate your support and you can catch us on SOMM.podcast on Instagram. In addition, please don't forget to subscribe to the show and recommend the show to your friends and family. Until next week, I am David.
1: And I am Cindy. Stay well.